you by P4P Muscle Productions and Entertainment, the number one drug-free athlete sponsorship foundation in the world. Now, I want you to grab a friend, turn the volume up a bit, lean in, and listen to the show where all the athletes want to talk. Fit Talk with Melinda Corsino. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Fit Talk with Melinda. As always, the show is brought to you by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the drug-free lifestyle or any of their products, check them out at www.p4pmuscle.com. Today we have a special show for many reasons. It's going to be an OCR show for all those beginner OCR athletes or even intermediate advanced OCR athletes that are looking to to learn more about OCR racing, or OCR is obstacle course racing for those that don't know. Uh, So I have a special guest on who is a competitive racer, but we're co-hosting tonight. So uh, P4P has three radio shows, and P4P Real Talk is one of them. So I have Kaylin and Desiree on to co-host with me. So do you guys want to do a quick introduction for those of you that don't know who you are? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Kaylin, I'll let you go first. No, no, ladies first. Don't let me be rude. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we're not holding up the show. I'm Desiree Fletcher, and uh, I uh, co-host P4P Real Talk with uh, Kaylin. Lend me your ear, Patterson. Uh, We target the natural bodybuilding community (laughs) and all things natural. Um, I am a competitive uh, bodybuilder. At the bikini level, mother of three. Somebody, you built it. <laughs> and I'm a number one fan of P4P chocolate whey protein. So I think oh, that sums it up. I think that sums it up. Everything just <laughs> even though even though I'm in the minority here because Melinda and Kaylin like to gang up on me, but that is okay. You know what? Because you be true to you, I'll be true to me, and that's how oh. we get along. So with that, Kaylin. Isn't this how West Side Story starts? Isn't this how that goes about? Uh, when you're a snickerdoodle, you're a snickerdoodle all the way, something like that. But anyhow, Kaylin Patterson, P4P, real talk in the history, and Midwest Muscle representing because Miss Linda didn't want to try that for the radio. But anyhow, I'm just so excited to be here. I'm loving every bit of it. And not McDonald's bad kind of garbage loving. I'm talking about, like, really loving everything about this. So let's get the show started, if you don't mind. Let's do it. See, Kaylin did a much better introduction than me. I can't do that voice-changing thing, so that's why we have him on. I'm just going to have him guest co-host every show for me. Uh, but to get the show started, oh, wait, 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 we have – Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. Yeah, We need ahead. an intro like yours because, wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even yeah, do that. We, That's not even my voice. We, I wish it was, but I don't think I have enough confidence in myself to do that. So I think whoever that girl that did that did fantastic. But uh, yeah, we don't have the special tonight, music. We don't have that. You need to get some special music. It definitely hits up the show, you know. Of course, it has my name on it, right so I gotta get that changed. But uh, tonight we have Bill, Bill Brumback. I asked him how to pronounce his name before we got on the show so I didn't screw it up like my last show. He's a competitive OCR athlete from Indianapolis, Indiana, 
And uh, he has a background in distance running, also powerlifting. Go powerlifting. I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, he is also <laughs> the co-founder of Bro CR Media. So we have almost like we have a, a triple co-host here because he's got his own media <laughs> show out there dedicated to OCR athletes in the sport. So, Bill, I'm happy to have you on tonight. Why don't you give us a quick introduction of yourself? All right. I, 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 so far, I've loved the energy in this room, and uh, it's been amazing. And uh, so, as uh, you said, Melinda, I have a background in powerlifting and distance running, and uh, I kind of got a job, got lazy a little bit, kind of gave that up for a little bit. And uh, I got bit by the distance running bug uh, a few years into my career and uh, then started doing weird stuff like running in the mud uh, for enjoyment and ran a whole bunch of mud runs and then discovered Spartan Race, which is my bread and butter. And uh, that thing, it literally just kicked my butt. And I was like, I'm never going to do one of these again. It was way too hard. And uh, then over the, like, I guess uh, after the butt hurt wore off and time for reflection, I realized that's the race that I want to do primarily because if it's that tough, it's something that I got to do. And I wanted to just go out and chase it. And it's so much fun. It's it's like a beautiful agony when you're doing it. But as soon as you're done, you just like, I want to do it again. And I want to do it again. And that's, that's just my backstory. So I love Spartan Race. Uh, partnered with them. Brociar Review actually does race recaps of the Spartan Races uh, that we travel to. Yeah, and I, uh, as far as you get the bug and it's agony when you're going through it and you finish and you want to do it again, there there is no better way to describe OCR <laughs> than that. Um, and, again, you're at a completely different level OCR than I am, but I remember the first – my first race was the Tough Mudder, um, did some other smaller mud runs, then moved into so Spartan well. races as well. I'm strict. I pretty much strictly do Spartan now. I'm going to try a bone frog this year, but um, I remember my first Spartan beast on Killington and I was nowhere near as good a shape as I am now. And I, I think I cried. I, I'm not a big crier. I'm not a big emotional person. Um, I cried on the mountain. I finished, I walked right over to the table and I said, where can I sign up again? So I, there's no better way to describe it. No matter what level you're at, um, what I want to ask for, so a, a lot of our listeners are not, um, not all of them, but some of them are not huge OCR people. They pro- some people probably don't even know, didn't even know what OCR stands for. So exactly. what is your advice for a newbie coming in? What do you suggest? What's a, a good race in, for them to set their eyes on if they're just looking to sign up and kind of get into it for the first time? Well, I think it kind of depends on your level of fitness, like where you're at. Um, If you are, like, just getting up off the couch and you're going to do, like, one of your first mud runs, one of your first OCRs, uh, there's no problem signing up for, like, a Warrior Dash. That's like a trail race with some obstacles that you, like, jump over. You'll get wet. You'll get muddy. You'll love it. You'll have fun. You can do it with your friends. It's normally a 5K distance. It's actually less than a 5K most of the time. So you know you're not going to be out there for, like, an hour, two hours. Uh, you could also sign up for Tough Mudder, just ha- uh, started to have their own 5K option and uh, their half marathon, and, or it's like a quarter mm-hmm. marathon, actually. So you're not going to be out there like all day. You can get a taste of the mud run, and those are great kind of like introductory level uh, races if you're like coming off the couch. If you're a bit of a runner, you've got like, yeah, you know, I lift weights like four times, four or five times a week. I feel like I'm pretty strong. I can do it then I would highly recommend that you maybe challenge yourself and sign up for a sport and sprint 
Uh, that's their three-plus-mile option. That's where they get you. It's three-plus miles, so you don't know exactly how long it is. But normally they're between three and five miles. Uh, you're going to be out there if you're, like, like kind of hiking, run-slash-jogging it. You're going to be out there for maybe like an hour and a half, two hours at most, unless it's just a grueling one like at Killington because they do have a sprint there. Um, once you, if you feel like you're really like, you know, I, I love this, I want to do more of this, sign up to the trifecta. Do the sprint, which is a three to five miles. Do the super, which is eight to ten. And the beast is like their half marathon option, but it can go up to 15 miles. So you do all three of those in a calendar year. You get a nice, like you get three little pieces of a pie. You can put it together. You get your own trifecta medal. You can show it off to your buddies at work. You can show it off to your family. You can be proud because that's an accomplishment right there. So that's kind of like what I would figure would be like kind of your introductory level, your intermediate. And if you really want to push yourself, go for that beast. If you're like big into ultra long distance running, try the Spartan Ultra. It's 31 miles of pure fun. No, no, no. There's no fun in 31 miles. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. So I've, funny, I've got a question. I've oh, got boy. a question. So this is okay. Desiree, folks. And uh, so I equate myself to probably more of the newbies out there in listener land. I've done a Tough mutter, but I okay. am more of a one-and-done kind lane. of gal. <laughs> I'm more of a one-and-done kind of gal. So I did it. Checked it off my list, um, but you know I'm always up for a challenge. I'm not much of a runner. Um, you know I'll do the bubble run and the color run and all that fun kind yeah. of stuff. But you know you always hear about the runner's zone, which I'm assuming you got to kind of be able to achieve if you're going to go for the 31 plus mile race. That sounds like so much fun. So <laughs> for someone who runs but is not really a runner. How do you find that zone? What happens that the zone clicks in? I mean, I've kind of, is it like the force and it finds you and you feel it? Or, or <laughs> what is that? What is that? Because I need some of that. Well, I think it comes down to a couple different things. Uh, you know, when you run for a certain period of time, your body's going to release like those endorphins, those drugs. And you get that runner's high, so it becomes very addictive. And uh, that's hmm. what I've kind of found. Like, I run almost every day. The days that I actually – I take maybe one uh, one to one day off a week, and sometimes that will be, like, five days off a month. And, like, whenever I don't get that run, I'm really, like, kind of depressed. Like, I feel ready to get back out there for that run. But, but kind of mm-hmm. going back to your question, how do you kind of, like, zone out? And there's a big difference between road running and running on trails because running on trails is gorgeous. It takes your mind off of, like, what you're specifically doing, and you're also, like, kind of focusing on how you're running. Like, you want to avoid those roots. You don't want to roll an ankle. So you're kind of watching your ground, and you're not, like, thinking. You're not, like, stuck in your head, like, oh, my gosh, this is punishment. Why am I doing this to myself? Kind of like whenever you're running on roads because it's just flat surface, yeah. and there's nothing to look at except I, for – That's what yeah, I feel like. like. Yeah, and so, like, I just – I hope that that car doesn't, like, hit me. Like, when the car gets a little close to you, that's, like, your only rush of adrenaline that you're going to get. But when you're on the trails, you're just off by yourself. You don't have to worry about cars. You can look at, like, wildlife. Like, the the occasional snake just scares the absolute poop out of me. That's the closest thing that I get to an adrenaline rush. Don't have to worry about someone who's texting and driving hitting me. So that's what, that's kind of, like, my recommendation. Hit the trail. Not only is it better for your legs because you're not pounding your legs on hard, hard pavement. You're out there on, like, you're on road, you're on dirt, you're on uh, soft soil. 
your legs are going to recover a lot quicker. Hit the trail. Enjoy the view. Like, you're out there. It's, it's honestly, it's a gift to be able to go out there and run for an extended period of time. I did the 31 miles of fun in Spartan Race in Tahoe last October, and I, I could have been in the mindset of like, oh, I got to suffer through these 31 miles, but I just I flipped the script and I said, no, I get to be out here for 31 miles. I get to look at all these mountains. How lucky am I that I get to do this? So if you kind of change your perspective, you won't worry so much about the burning in your legs or how much it hurts. You're going to really enjoy it being out there. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna try 31 that. miles, 31 <laughs> miles of fun. It's not fun, but I did, uh, I was out at Tahoe, was it last year, 2016? What year are we in? Yeah. 2015, I did Tahoe. I, I got my, I won my coin, which was really cool. Um, in a Spartan sprint, actually. And that yeah. was shocking for me because I'm, I'm not a dis, I'm a short, I'm a short runner. So the sprints are my game. Um, and I ended up placing in, uh, enough to get a coin, so I went out there and did it. And that was that course. I have never had a better Spartan Beast time than on that course. And I think it was because just the view and every, you take your mind off of it. I remember getting to the top and kind of like on your run down. I mean, it's just an easy, flat surface relatively, yep. and it's just like an amazing view. And I was running with people who were just like – talking to me and how beautiful is mm-hmm. this and I, the course was over before I knew it and I was like that actually wasn't that bad but 31 miles would not have worked for my knees but um, <laughs> you know it might have been it didn't work for my knees either so you always I had I had to do it it was one of those things like this race is available why not let's just go ahead yeah. and do it let's get crazy exactly no it's it's great I I commend people I think it's awesome um People that can do that distance, it's it's not for me, but I definitely look up to people that get out there and, and put themselves through that. I can't imagine lapping Killington twice. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, when you said that Killington was like your first beast, like you picked one hell of yep. a race for that to be your first beast because that one broke that's me been in 2014. That was all my beast except oh, wow. for Tahoe. So all of my, I think I've done five at Killington and, uh, it's cool because you because it's relatively the same course with some slight changes. So I've been able to see my progression over the years, um, oh, yeah. even though the mileage does change. But you can kind of gauge where you're placing in, in different things. So that's been cool. But to get back to what we were talking about, let's uh, let's talk about some training. Someone eh, goes to the gym occasionally, goes for like a two three mile road run, wants to do a race. What do you recommend for for training going into let's say a three to five mile obstacle course race uh one of the things that's kind of like it's instrumental in my training program it's kind of intervals so i'll switch back and forth i'll do like like maybe five to seven minutes of running and then i'll stop and i'll do like an uh, an exercise or a couple exercises and kind of stack them up together and then go right back into the running so uh burpees or that should be your bread and butter that is a total body workout you don't need to, like, throw weights around uh, to be good at an OCR. Hey, hey, sometimes hey. it helps. I'm just saying, sometimes it helps. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I, I throw in deadlifts. I throw in some snatches and some cleans and stuff like that, some single, some dumbbell snatches. Yeah, I still do stuff like that. But, like, a lot of the stuff that you're going to need to, like, be successful in an OCR is, like, grip and uh, pull strength. So if you can do a whole bunch of pull-ups, not only are you going to look really good, but you're going to do pretty good at a course, too. 
And just being able yeah. to, like, hold heavy stuff for long periods of time, that's going to save you a lot of lower back pain on that bucket brigade and Spartan race. Oh, uh, and so, and just mixing it up because, you know, you can run. You can run three miles. You can run three to five miles. That doesn't necessarily translate to a Spartan race. It, it's, it's a good yeah. foundation to have. It's a good foundation. But you've got to be able to cycle back and forth if you want to do it more competitively. And now if you're going to go out there with your friends and have fun and, like, ha- uh, like hike it and kind of run it, then, yeah, like just have some strength, have a strength component, be able to do some pull-ups, be able to like pick some heavy stuff up, do some deadlifts, stuff like that. And you're going to do pretty good at the course. Like, and if you have some grip strength, the, uh, the T-traverse uh, and the, uh, the Z-wall, the, and that's the wall where you're just holding on by pretty much your hands and your feet and you're getting from one side to the other and ringing a bell, or you're just using your, taking your body across a rope, like you're going to do really good. Rope climb, if you can do a rope climb from CrossFit, that's one of the main obstacles. You'll see a lot of people catching burpees right there. And then the dreaded obstacle that everyone fears, the spear throw. That's just technique. That's the only thing that you have to actually put some real time and effort into if you want to nail it race day. Oh, yeah. No, you, you said the, you keep, you said gonna... the bad words. Bucket for green. Go ahead, Desiree. I'll get back to the bucket for green after because people listening and probably some of them don't know what that means, but I'll get back to it. You go with your question. Yeah, so I'm with all those folks who don't know really what any of this means, so I'm going to try not to take over this show, but you keep saying you've said catching burpees a couple of times. What? Why am I going to catch a burpee? What is, I mean, is that just a regular <laughs> obstacle or what is all that about? So um, if you are doing the Spartan elite or competitive wave, which are the first waves of the day, and you cannot complete an obstacle on your first attempt, uh, you have to do 30 burpees, chest to ground, oh, man. come up like uh, perpendicular to the ground, feet leave the air, ears above your head. That's the standard Spartan rules. Um, and that's 30, and they're going to count them. If you do less than 20, you're disqualified. For every one wow. that you miss, between 20 and 30, that's a 30-second penalty, I'm pretty sure. It's either 30 seconds or a minute. And that's for the elite and the competitive. Now, if you're in the open wave, uh, they don't emphasize that you complete those burpees. It's kind of like an honor system thing. They're not going to disqualify you in the open wave for not doing 30 burpees for a failed obstacle. But uh, whereas there are other obstacle races out there, like the defunct Battle Frog and uh, OCR World Championships is another noteworthy one, along with Savage Race. Uh, they require obstacle completion, which means that you can keep attempting an obstacle as many times as you want. If you decide that you can't do it, then they're going to take your elite band or your competitive band, and you've officially been not necessarily disqualified, but you're not ranked with everyone else that completes all the obstacles. So that's uh, that's kind of I'm getting kind of in the in the weeds here. But Barton race primarily, if you cannot fail, an, if you cannot do an obstacle on the first attempt, you get 30 burpees. I, uh, you know, what really bothers me <laughs> is when people don't do their burpees. Um, there's always yeah. those cases where you have someone that physically can't do their burpees, and I can sympathize with that. But yeah. if you are an able-bodied person that signs up for a race, do yourself a favor, and if you miss an obstacle or can't do an obstacle, do your 30 burpees. Be honest, because what that's doing is it's giving you an accurate representation of how in shape you are for this race. And for people, you may not care about your time. 
that's fine. You're doing it for fun with your friends. That's awesome. But what about those people that are out there really trying to push for their personal best, and this means a lot to them? You could beat them, and and that's not fair to them who put their heart and soul to try to get whatever time they're getting, and you skipped three obstacles and didn't do those 90 burpees, which would take a yep. lot of time. So Absolutely. it really bothers me when I see people not doing their burpees. I don't care if you're in the open wave or, or whatnot. It drives <laughs> me nuts. And I'm glad I could get I, that out. I think that's been holding I, me I, for a while. <laughs> I, totally agree. I totally agree. Like, for me, it's kind of like it's an honor thing. Like, you know, you're out here doing this. You paid money, uh, and you're doing this race. Like, why not push yourself? Even you, you failed the, and, and I think that's just a kind of a great way to like burn off that butt hurt. Like I failed this obstacle, yeah. Let me pay the penalty right now and go on to the next thing. Let me try the next thing. So I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, and, and one of the one of the highest compliments that I ever got from someone, and this happened a couple years ago in, in uh, Tahoe, um, Kevin Donahue, who's on the Spartan Pro team, who was refereeing the World Championship that year. I failed the spear throw. I was borderline hypothermic. And he comes up to me and he paid me the biggest compliment without even really meaning to. He says, I, I don't have to count your burpees. I trust you. I know you're going to do them all because you have honor and you have integrity. And to me, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the thing. That's, that's what Spartan race. If you do fail an obstacle, it's on you. Like, and if you're in the open wave, no one's policing you. Do it for yourself. Really earn that medal when you cross that finish line. Say, I did earn this. Right. I didn't just participate. It's mine. I earned this. I put in the sweat. I put in the work. My muscles are aching because of it, and I'm going to wear this proudly as a result. Yes. No participation trophies here. Earn it. No, absolutely. I like it. Yeah. Well, also, you know, and and this is something that everybody needs to really consider, is as this sport grows, you're going to get caught. I mean, so if you make a habit of cheating, eventually, basically, you're going to expose yourself by being exposed because everybody else is doing what they're normally doing when things don't go right and you're saying, uh-oh, people are actually watching. So either you become the rig, real quick whiny baby or you actually have to stick it out and, and tell on yourself for never doing it in the past. Absolutely. And, and you're right, Kaylin. Um, as the sport continues to grow and as they're pushing for it to be included in the 2020 Olympics, uh, there have been lots of people caught just entirely skipping obstacles not even doing 20 burpees, and they get disqualified. And it's hilarious to me. They know they did it, and they're butthurt in the results tent trying to argue their case, but there's video <laughs> evidence of them running right by the obstacle. And I'm like, what do you have to complain about, man? You know you did this. Everyone knows right. you did it now, so let's just make it a bigger issue. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, to get back to what we were talking about before <laughs> – the bucket brigade. <laughs> let's, bucket let's, brigade. So yeah, it's awful. It is my and I don't like the spear throw. I've yet to hit a spear throw. That's because I don't practice spear throwing in my spare time. Um, I do have spears, but I have not used them. I'll put that one on myself. But the bucket brigade is the one obstacle other than the spear throw that really takes the life out of me. Um, mm-hmm. so what, and I'm sure Bill would clearly agree, but what my husband and I did is we made buckets and filled them with gravel. So yeah. as if we're completely, um, simulating what we'd be doing, we have a really long driveway. Uh, so we'd come back from a run, however many miles that run would be, it'll be outside. We'll grab the buckets and we will make it a point to grab those buckets filled with gravel and walk, walk, not run, just walk up and down the driveway 
as long as we can without dropping the bucket or having to go to our knees. Mm. I go to my knee. I don't ever put the bucket on the ground. It is heavy. It's heavy in its beyond being heavy. It's very uncomfortable, especially for a Mm -hmm. short person with short arms to, to hold that bucket. And you cannot put that bucket on your shoulder, especially if you're, I usually race in the elite heats. Um, You can't put the bucket on your shoulder. Uh, you get called for that. You have to hold the bucket in front of you. It's filled with gravel. It's heavy. It's awkward. And oh, I absolutely no. cannot stand. <laughs> and for girls, we have boobs. So I feel like yeah. we are, like, even in a bigger disadvantage. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Bucket Brigade is a – that's a tough one for me. I, I just want to throw that out there. If I wasn't so Christian. You have to hold it in front of you. Um, however, so not at your side. You can't you. hold it to your side. Um, if you want to hold it, there's no handles. Yeah, so we uh, gotcha. So okay, uh-uh. yeah. okay. Oh. I'm envisioning this with uh-huh. a handle. Oh, this makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to like hug the bucket. Eight-gallon contractors. Yep. Yeah, oh. it's more like an exoskeleton. It, it is like well, they an do. They, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep, and it's uh, you walk up and down. And the mileage, depending on the course, like some of the sprints, the shorter ones, it'll be more of a flat uh-uh. surface, depending on where uh-uh. you are. Uh, Beast, Beast and Killington, we were up a, we were up a mountain for that one, as oh, well as the yeah. sandbag carry, which is another. Because killer. Desiree and Kalen, it's not enough for them to just make the walk for a quarter mile with a bucket full of gravel on flat surface. No, they want you to take it up a double black diamond and then come back down. Right. Oh, no. No. That broke. You know what broke? The year that Killington had the 70-pound sandbags for women. Women and men both had 70-pound sandbags. It was a couple years ago at Killington. Um, At that point, I probably weighed 110, 115 pounds soaking wet. And I looked at the Uh guy, and I'm like, where are the women's sandbags? And he's like, these are it. I'm like, no, these are the men's sandbags. Like, yeah, they're all 70 pounds. And I was like, I cried. That is what that I did it. I, I got it up, and I got it down. But it, oh my God, that broke me mentally. I, I, I cried. I cried on the mountain. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's not. Now, I'm not laughing at your pain. It's no. I'm it's not funny laughing now. at your pain. It's funny now. It's um. I'm sure Bill can talk on this now. Now that we're kind of continuing with this. Uh, the mental toughness that it takes. It's not all, especially if you're doing a longer race. It's not all your physical training. It's about what you can handle mentally and what you can push yourself for. Do you have anything yeah. to kind of say on that? I mean, like one of the best things that you can do to kind of prepare, if you're going to do this sport at like a, at an elite level, at like a high level, you have to just have those workouts programmed into your training where it's just going to suck. It's going to be like an hour to two hours of just, my God, this is horrible, because that's going to pay dividends whenever you get out there and you're in this uncomfortable spot, like you are carrying this 80 pounds for women, it's 50 pounds, a bucket of rock up the side of a mountain, and you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? But you've you've uh, you've been conditioned over all the races that you've done before to know, yeah, this sucks now, but it's going to feel really good either here in a little bit or in a few, like whenever I'm done. So you know, like you kind of have that sitting in the back of your head, like I've done worse. And that's one of the things, like, so you, as you just said, Melinda, you have those in the back of your head, like, oh, my gosh, Killington was so horrible. So if you approach the bucket carry again in the future, and it's, say, like in Monterey, California, 
And you're like, oh, well, this isn't as bad as me doing it and killing him that one time. And because remember, you're getting obviously more and more physically fit the more you train for these races. So that memory that's just been seared into your brain about how awful it was was a totally different you, but you still have that sitting in the back of your mind. You're in that cane cave. You've been there before. It's really not that bad right now. So I kind of do it more as a, as a respective, like the, the worst race I ever had in my career racing was in Virginia in 2014. And that was just three and a half hours, a super, an eight mile super, three and a half hours of me having my butt handed to me repetitively, like just nonstop, like, oh, you thought that was bad here. This is going to suck worse. And now it's going to suck worse again. And it's going to suck worse again. I can, anytime I'm like, I feel like I'm in a bad spot at a race, I can just go back to Virginia in 2014 and be like, oh, well, it's not Virginia. I'm, I'm actually not that bad off. I'm feeling pretty good. But there are times right. and I, uh, that like, at competing at a high level whenever you are, you are out there and you're clearly in a bad spot. You're like running 185 beats per minute, 188 beats per minute. Like you're maxed out. Like there's not much more you can give. And what's pushing you is not just like the, the experiences that you had before. It's this guy on your left that you're literally racing. Like I'm racing against this guy and I'm going to sell out. I'm either going to die trying to beat him or I'm going to just I, I pass out. It's going to be one of those two things. I'm going to beat him or he's going to beat me, but I'm not going to stop until one of us is dead. And wait, that's wait. kind of what it goes hold through. Up. Hold <laughs> up. Hold up. Now, wait, Galen's got wait. some questions. No, I, I'm just wondering if you have, actually have someone show up in like leathers and chains because they're so in the S&M because this, is there a you know what? Stop it! I was thinking I, the same thing. Who needs S and M when you can be an OCR racer? Oh yeah. my gosh! My um, uh, background in my in my uh, post secondary in college was in uh, uh, sociology. I spent a lot of time in sociology courses, so there I, I kind of wonder what the prevalence is of people in the OCR community who are into that particular type of lifestyle. I'd say it's a very high proportion of people. That they just enjoy, <laughs> like they're just like masochists. Like I just enjoy beating myself up so much, but it does. It releases <laughs> this chemical in your brain. It has almost the exact same effect. Oh my gosh! I thought my, I thought maybe you're gonna say you're a dominatrix in a former life, but we'll, I was worried. We'll say I was that. What it sounds like? Because we talk about how horrible. It is, the R but label it's on not, this show. It's not. I mean. You know, for the I average can, person looking to get into it, <laughs> for the average person looking to get into it, it's really don't let this deter you. It's not. It's not that bad if you go into it. If you're going into it in really pushing that hundred percent, if you're going into it, want to have a fun time with your girlfriends, guy friends, you know, going yeah, to you're gonna water, have drink fun. some beers after. It'll be fun. It, and it is fun. It's fun at different levels. It's fun. It's it's how what you want to make out of it. It's as hard as you want to make it for yourself. Yeah. You can get through a three-mile course and be totally fine, sweat a little bit. Oh, that rope climb was hard, and be fine if you don't care about your time and you're just doing it for the experience. It's not that bad. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I remember, totally agree with you. Yeah. And so, like, people like Melinda and I, we're kind of like, uh, I don't want to say, like, the one percenters, but, like, we're a very small percent of people who, who want to push ourselves. We, we got a taste of it. And then we wanted to do it competitively. We wanted to push ourselves even more and 
every like week it's like how can i get better how can i get better but you if you go out to these races like it's not like one big supper fest like you make it what you want it to be if you're going out there with friends my motto is misery does love company you can laugh about it with your friends <laughs> you you're gonna have fun i i guarantee you're gonna have fun you're gonna get bit by the bug to come back and do another one again. Now, Desmond, you said that you were a one and done, but I can tell right now you're gonna to want to come back after hearing all this stuff that we talked about. I am She's ready now, boy. I tell you, thirty-one miles of thirty-one fun. miles of fun. <laughs> Woo! I got you. And you know who I'm taking with me as my company? Caleb. He's right <laughs> there on the other end of the line, Mr. Caleb Patrick. Oh my goodness. Thirty-one miles of fun. <laughs> Are you ready, Team Awesome? Let me get my love. But, you know, we get it. We get it. There are aspects of bodybuilding that sound just like this, and we go through the same type of description and try not to scare away all the people who are thinking about getting into it because every sport where you look to push yourself and just to continually approve and you're competing against yourself more than anyone else, although – in OCR, you are competing against a lot more people in a broader sense than in bodybuilding. But, you know, we get that whole pushing yourself to the limit. But I've got to ask. I've got to ask. So because right now what you're talking about are some, I guess, I, what I'm going to call extreme or, or some, you know, training requirements that might seem extreme to those who aren't part of this culture or maybe have never trained to that level. So I do want to stop and talk a little bit about safety and progression and those sorts of things. So, you know, because we could have someone on the under this, other end of this line that's so gung-ho and the next thing they know they're in traction because they haven't progressed things the right way. And I am interested in safety considerations for getting ready, you know, for your first one to jump to elite, you know, any of that kind of stuff that maybe it would be good for, you know, either current racers or potential racers to keep in mind. Absolutely. And uh, that's actually, um, it's fun to learn this stuff. Uh, it was fun for me to learn this stuff. So if, if you are out there and you're listening and you're gung-ho, you're like, I'm going to do one, I'm going to do it. Uh, the most important advice that I can give to you is like, do not, do not try to go hard every training session that you do. And that's, uh, people make that mistake and they're going to get injured and they're going to set themselves back and get discouraged. Uh, this is a running sport primarily. Like you're going to spend like 75% of a race, you're going to be running or like power hiking up a mountain. And the most important thing with my running background is you do not want to run fast every day. You want to run fast, like maybe one day every week, like 80 to 85% of your base training should be aerobic. It's, it's training that you can hold at a conversation with someone. You can literally have a conversation with someone that you're running with. And like when you're doing your burpees, you can still hold that conversation with someone. It's not something that's just going to absolutely tax you because your body's not going to recover. And like I said, you're going to get injured. You're going to have a bad time. So you want to spend about 80, 85% of your time doing it at that nice aerobic base where you're just putting time in building your aerobic system, making sure that your muscles are getting uh, oxygen, that you're developing your cellular mitochondria and uh, then you want to have those speed sessions where, yeah, you, you can absolutely uh, take the training wheels off. You can go as fast as you want to on that treadmill. You can go as fast as you want to on that track or on that run. Whatever you want to do, do it. And, like, push yourself and see if you can make yourself puke. But do that one time a week just to know what that's like, just so you can build that top-end speed. But uh, that's what you want to do is you want to uh, make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well. 
just like if you were a bodybuilder, you want to take care of those hot spots. If you've got a, a muscle that's sore and it's not feeling too good, you don't push through your workout, shut it down and like go get on a lacrosse ball, go get on a foam roller, do some stretching, stuff like that. Take care of yourself, know your body and don't be stubborn and push yourself just because you think, you know, no pain, no gain. That's not the case. Uh, we do talk about how we like to, we enjoy the pain of a race and how we do it. But whenever it comes to, you know, some soft tissue stuff or maybe even bones, you really want to pay attention and don't get too overzealous and don't push it too soon. Like build up, put a nice base in a couple of weeks and then start gradually adding on more and more distance and more and more time. Yeah. The, um, you know, what I always say to my stepson, high school, there's a difference between, like physical pain and feeling uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, I don't care. Push through it. That's the point. That's how you grow. If you're in physical Mm -hmm. pain, don't be stupid. (laughs) Don't let your ego get in the way. And stop, which is we've all had our moments where we haven't listened to that. If I could jump in. There's a a big thing that we all, you know, because everything we do, we love what we're doing. And and I would always say and recommend consider the source of information because there's a lot of people that speak a good game, but if you watch them do anything, you'd realize they're, they're failing at every test that they're given. And there are social media lights that just basically love being keyboard warriors, but when they step away from that, they're stepping away from their own reality. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad you guys are saying what you're saying, but there's always that other side of, of the person that looks like they have an idea but don't really have a clue. So, you know, just be con- – just consider that when you – like, you know your friends. You're supposed to know your friends. And mm-hmm. if they're not that that real person that you know in every other aspect, they sure won't be real in challenging their uncomfortable uh, habits. Right. That's very true. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah. I think with with OCR, there's that saying of you know get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, and exactly. I think that really holds really holds true for everything you're doing, especially if you're new to it. It's gonna be uncomfortable. Things that carrying a bucket, holding a log, picking up an atlas stone, doing a bunch of burpees. If you're not used to that, it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you become yeah, comfortable. Right. Chuck, <laughs> you become comfortable with the uncomfortableness. That's when you grow and get better. Yeah, you got to get comfortable running with mud in your compression shorts or your, uh, you know, your shorts you're running in, having wet Ooh. shoes and wet socks Ooh, I don't and possible blisters. I don't want to it. <laughs> it washes out. Just a nice garden hose in your backyard. You'll get it all out before you put it in your washer. Don't ruin your washer. Yes, get buckets. Right. If you do a race, Make sure you have buckets or at least a, a tub or something that you can soak your clothes in after before you throw them in the washing machine. With gravel? It's a big You'll have gravel. gravel. You'll gravel have, yeah, all kinds of stuff. It'll Everything. mess your uh, washer up. Just spray it off, wash it off outside with your garden hose with a bucket. And then uh, once you think that it's clean enough, once you've wrung water out of your compression shorts, your shirt, your socks, and it's no longer brown, it's probably good to put in there. <laughs> wow! A very accurate description. 
<laughs> you know, talking about mud and your compression shorts, it brings to mind the question, what is, and I'll ask this to both of you, so Melinda and Bill, what is absolutely the craziest thing you have ever seen on an OCR course? Oh, I've got all kinds of stories. I'll, Melinda, you want to tackle that first? <laughs> I don't think I have. You go first because it might jog my okay. memory on something because I don't know if I have any crazy ones sitting at the tip of my tongue. So the worst thing by far that I've ever seen, I've seen a couple things. So um, the the most horrifying was uh, I was uh, there was someone in my wave that was running in a thong and being oh. behind the barbed wire crawl. That's just and it was a guy. I should I should probably specify <laughs> that it was a guy. That oh. was a. Very painful experience, and I, I am emotionally <laughs> scarred for that uh, for life. Um, you can't unsee like, that. <laughs> no, you absolutely cannot unsee that. Um, the most like physically horrifying though that I've really ever seen, and I was I was getting ready. I was at a starting corral being sent off at the uh, OCR World Championships. I believe it was uh, two years ago, maybe the last year that it was in Ohio. And there was a girl who was doing a brand new obstacle that came over from Norway, and it was called a Dragon's Back. And uh, it's more of a psychological obstacle where you're jumping from platform to platform, and the only thing that keeps you upright is you actually have to grab onto a bar and do a pull-up to get onto the next platform. And mm-hmm. she didn't judge it just right, mm. and she got smacked right in, like, the jaw with the bar oh. and, like, blood everywhere. That was just – it still stands out in my mind to this day, but I, I want to – I say that, but I want to caution people with that. These races are generally safe, but the occasional accident does happen because you you are relying on yourself for most of these obstacles. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you mm-hmm. can misjudge, and sometimes you can just overcompensate or undercompensate, and stuff like this does happen. But luckily they always do have very professional, uh, very quick-to-respond medical staff, and you're going to be taking care of uh, the best possible care that you can get. And you'll be, if it's really that bad, and God forbid it ever be, you'll be rushed off to, you know, your local hospital to be taken care of. But I, I want to emphasize, I know I've shared a fairly gruesome story, but these races are safe, and 99.9% of the people that do these races do not ever get injured in any way like that. It's very true. I think... To go along with that, I remember as a couple of years ago. So uh, Tough Mudders, a lot of times, they have a layer of some oh. sort of blank wiring underneath the barbed wire. So your body is not actually touching the barbed wire. That's not the case in Spartan races. The barbed wire is the barbed wire. Um, yep. Mm. And there was, a girl, there was a girl in front of me, and she had gotten her calf caught on the oh. barbed wire. And we were try- I was right behind her. We were right behind her, and we kept telling her to sit still because we could get the calf off of the barbed wire. But the barbed wire had pulled her skin, like, off the muscle, and it was just mm. – it, oh. it was rough. Ooh. She was fine once we got her to ca- – because she was flailing, and you know, it was, like, pulling the – you could see okay. Okay. the skin almost okay. coming off the muscle. So, so – <laughs> Once we got her I'm to she was actually fine. She was she was actually Still okay. Mountain, but I Once we crying. got it off, she kept going. Um, but that was, was that was kind of gross. 
She was fine. She it was fine yeah. once we got her off. She kept going like it wasn't anything, but it was gross when it was happening. We we're like, no, stop moving. Yeah. You're making it worse. Whoa. And that, that brings was, me that, that brings me to my next point: uh, compression, compression, compression. It's like a second layer yes. of skin. If you can wear head yes. to toe compression, by all means, do. That's very true. You get beat up, uh, crawling on you things, crawling under things, crawling over things. Back you get beat up. Him. But you'll love it. You'll love it, and you'll want to finish anyways. You'll want to finish anyway, and you'll want to sign up again. Exactly. It'll happen. And no one shows up It'll happen. I consider OCR to be like the healthiest form of mess. Like you're just going to get hooked, and you're you're going to want to keep coming back. Hashtag OCR mess. (laughs) I got it. OCR mess. So. So speaking of healthy, so what does nutrition look like? Um, I guess, you know, nutrition during training, that that's, is what it is. Um, we don't have to get real in-depth. I don't know how much time we have, but, like, before the race or race minutes. day, okay, 15 minutes, what what does your food look like? Uh, I try to eat um, <laughs> all whole foods. So, it looks so like food. Better. <laughs> it's food. <laughs> Do you see I what it. I deal with, Melinda? Do you see this? I love it. <laughs> so, um, I, so I'm obviously at like a high level, so I'm eating like mainly whole foods, like stuff, because I consider um, food to be fuel. So I'm going to put good fuel in my body so that I can run my engine as clean as possible. Now, in terms of like race day, so what I like to do is um, like the race, like I'll get up early. Our waves go off at 7:30. Melinda will go off at 7:45, and uh, I'll get up probably <laughs> around like 4:30, 5 o'clock, and I will uh, have something like a protein shake. And and I like uh, my, my protein shake. I use Boku Superfoods and that Super Fuel, and they have a Super Protein. I'll have it in a uh, non-dairy. Um, liquid like for an almond milk or a soy milk that's low calorie and doesn't have any added sugars and no sweeteners or anything like that so just like 30 calories tastes like chalk throw in my good stuff tastes good I'll drink that in the morning and then uh, maybe about an hour and a half before I go out I'll eat something that's kind of like nutritionally dense but small so it sits well in my stomach so I like to go to um, a pro bar, meal replacement bar. It's about 400 calories, and it's about, like, the size of your fist if you make it. So it's really small. It's uh, all organic. It's all naturally sourced. It's got, um, I think, uh, brown sugar is the only thing that I, I don't like that it has in there, but I need some carbs. It's got seeds, berries. Uh, I like the whole berry blast. It's my favorite flavor. And it's going to sit in there really well and give me everything that I need for, like, a super uh, for a sprint, if it's going to be a longer race, then I'll take some nutrition with me and like in like a, a, a hydration vest. And for my go-to nutrition for those longer races, I'm going to take a Fit Aid Fuel because it has BCAAs and it comes from organic, all-natural sources and it's got some protein. Uh, something that people don't realize, and when I was talking with someone at a local running store, like, he was surprised to learn this too. If you're going to go out and you're going to do a race uh, that's going to be um, – uh, sorry, I uh, uh, got a little bit distracted. Uh, if you're going to be out there for like three plus hours, you want some kind of like fats and nut butters and stuff like that. But uh, this has got some protein and you're, pro- you're going to need protein if you're running for long periods of time because your body's going to try to break down your leg muscles and you're going to feel that to try to get some kind of calories. And uh, that protein in your um, 
and the fit eight fuel is exactly what I need for like those longer races, like for the 31 miles of fun. Good to know. 31 miles. It's not fun. Um, <laughs> I say that like I've done, I say that like I've done one. I haven't. I, um, I only bring food with me on my Spartan beast run. Yes. So Spartan sprint is three to five miles. I don't run with a water pack. Um, no, like the backpack that holds water, I never do. Some people do. I don't care if it's 100 degrees out. It's three to five miles. I don't want that on my back. I don't want that extra on my on me. Um, super, yep. I actually did my first super ever this past year. I had never had a super that was that worked with my time frame with everything. So, um, And I did not carry water for that either. There's enough water stops where I was fine. Didn't carry food because they had one food stop that was enough for me. I had a very big breakfast. Um, I tend to do the same thing. I make a bagel sandwich with egg, cheese, avocado. I eat that like a few hours before I go out, and then I just go. Um, yep. And we won't talk about what I eat after the race. Uh, <laughs> and then Beast, it's a tradition for my team that we work with. Who not, no one on my We have some people that are competitive, some people that are, are trying it for the first time. So we have a mix of people on our team. Every year we rent a condo up in, up in Killington. The tradition is to bring, bring some pasta meals, bread, uh, kind of do a small, car, small, probably a large carbo load the night before. Um, wake up, we usually, I try to stay away from super greasy foods that are going to sit in my stomach not too well. Um, I try to always stick with foods that I've always eaten. I think that's an important thing to bring up. And obviously, yeah, Bill's on a little bit different of a level than I am. I, I definitely I do run elite heats and competitive heats, but I usually play somewhere right in the middle. I'm not like a crazy, crazy OCR person. But um, one thing that's important, I think, for all people is you don't want to start eating things that you haven't eaten before, before a race, because you don't know how your stomach is going to react. So for me, I'm, I eat super clean the majority of the time. So even the night before when we're eating Italian food, I try to keep it in small proportions because I don't want to eat six bowls of pasta because I would never do that normally. So my body's going to go, what the hell? And then I'm out on a course for, you know, six, seven hours, and there's really no bathrooms. So you're going to the bathroom in the woods, and you just don't want, you just don't want things to happen. Um, so try to, when, try when you're to out, stick. when you're outside of nature, everywhere is a bathroom. You just have to have extra socks. Everywhere oh. is a bathroom. Oh. And you have oh to be my. comfortable with going to the bathroom anymore. Cause when you need to go, you need to go. And if you're going for time, you need to go in the woods and get the hell out of the woods. And I've been on times where I've been like, Hey guys, how's it going? They're peeing and I'm going to the bathroom. I mean, it's, there's no shame, um, well, when you're out there, backstage, but, backstage. but, I, I do carry things with me on longer runs, um, things with quick carbohydrates like uh, shot blocks, you know, cliff bar blocks that you can get, um, different things yep. like fitted, like things that are easily squeezable I can put in a pouch. It's not going to take up a lot of room. Um, and I will tend to pack some little things of peanut butter because uh, peanut butter tends to fill me up. So if I'm on a longer race and I'm feeling really hungry and I start shaking, peanut butter just does it for me. That's a personal yeah. thing. Yep. And so, to kind of uh, piggyback off of what you're saying is I, you also want to make sure that any packets that you take with you are uh, pretty durable because you're going to be rolling. You're literally going to be rolling around in the mud. You don't want to have something that's going to be like really sweet and sugary based pop. And there'd right. be like, oh, like in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, those yellow jackets. You don't want to attract 
that kind of problem. You don't want the extra obstacles. So make sure that whatever you're getting is not like a thin little packet, that it's actually going to withstand a little bit of shock in case you need it. Yeah, and you're swimming. A lot of the, the bigger races, um, you're, you're swimming. So the stuff, yep. you, you, if you have protein bars in your bag, like we, if, we, if I have a protein bar, I will double pack them in like a Ziploc bag because I'm getting in water. It's cold, yep. and I don't know what's going to leak through, and I don't want my food to because I plan out my food that I'm eating every hour on the hour. I have to because I get shaky. Um, yep. So if I'm not eat, if I if I'm missing bars i'm screwed because i'm going to get so hungry i'm going to need to stop for something so um make sure you're double packed especially when you're getting in water yeah and and to kind of touch on a couple things that you talked about melinda uh so for for races that you're looking at if it is a mountain race that is at a ski resort uh, uh anything over a sprint I would advise, if you're especially a newbie, to take some type of hydration pack with some calories in yes. it because you're going to be out there for a while. If it's um, a beast that's kind of a flat track land, that's kind of up to you. Uh, I wouldn't do it for like the uh, for a beast race in Ohio because I don't think it's really necessary because you're going to kind of fly through that. But if you're doing, like we said before, a beast out in Killington, you're going to be out there for a few hours. Uh, any kind of sprint. You shouldn't need any type of hydration pack or anything like to, to take with you uh, unless you just really want something to kind of stash some calories as an emergency. I don't know, but anyone who does wear a, a hydration pack for a sprint or a super that's not a mountain super that's in the starting corral for an elite wave, I already, I already know that I'm going to beat them. I just have to figure out, like, how far ahead of them I should push in the starting corral. Um, and then also going back to what you said about things that you eat on a regular basis, like before a race, there's no reason to carb load. There's really not. Like it's not going to help you the next day perform better. If you really want some carbs in your system, I can totally get that. I'm the exact same way. That's the runner in me that comes out. But I'll have like a small yeah. like plate of pasta, like the size of my right. fist, like that much volume. And nothing else than that. Like, I'm still going to eat my normal, like, fruits and vegetables. But I, there's no reason because all you're really going to do is if you have, like, those three plates of pasta the night before races, you're going to have extra trips to the bathroom before you even start and probably while you're on the course, too. Right. Yeah, we, we do one a carbo question, load. One question. Yeah. One yeah. question because everybody keeps saying this word, and I'm thinking, is it because you're, like, near death? Because I can't imagine a bodybuilding show where it says, face your death, and then I want to go to that show. So if you, when you tell me about a run and you got to go to Killington, I mean, is that the name of the town? Or is that that is actually the name of the mountain in uh, Vermont. So, and it's, I think, is it the name yeah. of the town too? It is the name of the town and the mountain. And so, uh, yeah, I guess the, the, the that, that's a horror movie. You guys do understand that, right? You oh yeah. The, the first beat. time I was there, it was a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you have not done a beast unless you've done Killington. You, you haven't experienced a true beast unless is. you've done Mount Killington. Yeah, it's like deliverance. It's just nothing but deliverance. Jodison is out either, there grinning oh, no. ear. No. Either that or no. Fifty Shades of Grey or something. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Pick your movie. Like a Pick your movie. They could do a remake but, on Mount Killington. They yeah, absolutely could. Uh, Fifty Shades of Mount Killington. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I like this. We, why are we not funding this? We should. 
Here we go. You're gonna Let's steal get a our idea me. now. Now that it's out there, you're gonna steal our idea. Oh and, uh, man. We're not gonna get any credit for it. But uh credit, you guys have to star in it. What are you talking about? We should. <laughs> we should. And I also like I'll point out that what Bill said a couple minutes ago, he goes, uh, you know, if you're gonna be on Killington at doing a beast, you're gonna to wanna to take a, a hydration pack because you're gonna be out there for a few hours. Bill says a few hours. What's a few hours for Bill is like six and a half hours for me. So it, it all depends. You have to know your athletic level and how long it mm. can, there's people that are out there for ten plus hours. It depends on where you are athletically um to be able to push yourself through this. So you really have to plan out and make sure you're bringing everything you need because there's stops on the course but not a ton. Yeah, pack a lunch. You're going to be out there for quite a while. You're going to be out there for a long time. Now you're it's quite a while. A few hours. But, yeah, if you're like me, you're going to be out there for, for double that time. So you're going to have to pack some stuff with you. Oh, but, um, man. Does anyone have any closing core coming down on three minutes left of the show? Does anyone have anything, quick questions that we haven't touched on before we wrap things up? Uh, just real quick, if folks don't know where to find an OCR in their area, what are some, you know, popular sites they can check? I mean, that's it's easy enough to Google. That's actually a really tough great m- question. Uh, if you go to mudrunguide.com, they have a listing of all the possible OCRs and mud runs, anything that even remotely touches, like, what, what this is. Like, they're going to have it. They're going to have the locations, how you can sign up. They're going to have discount codes that you can use. So plug in mudrunguide.com and just go there, check it out. They're going to have great uh, articles about, like, runs, like, races to some of the athletes that are out in the community. And uh, one of the biggest things that I think that we didn't touch on is that if you do an OCR, it's, you're, it's, it's not normally like a one-and-done thing. Like, you're going to meet people, you're going to meet friends, and you're going to get involved in the community. And the community is great. It's like family once, like, once you really get involved in there. So run a couple of runs, do like a couple of them, and you're going to like find a group of friends and you're going to meet some other people and you're going to make some of the best friends uh, in your life. Like my best friend, I met him training for these races. So uh, there's a a whole world of things that like you are like missing out on if you're not trying these races. That's very true. I have friends that we've dragged along. We, we like once a year we try to recruit someone into our mini OCR cult. Um, they don't know what they're getting into. We we got a friend last year. His first race was Killington Beast. He'd never oh, even done an OCR yeah. race before. He's a great athlete, so he did all right, but he'll never do one again. Um, so, but once a year we try to talk some poor soul into joining us, and it usually works. But they sign up it's again. It's a horror movie. I'm hard. telling you. It is yep. in a good way. It's a good. It's a good horror yes. movie. Yes. But it, you know what it does? Yes. It really yes. you push yourself to do things that you didn't think you would ever do, and you push yourself through being uncomfortable. And when you're done, you're just like, "Wow, I accomplished that. What else can I accomplish?" So it's it's a exactly. good feeling when you finish. It's definitely not a negative thing. It can be hard if you push yourself to that limit. But overall, yep. no matter how hard you want to make the race, it's it's a good it, – you come up with a good mindset. So um, I think insanity. I want to kind of leave with that. Insanity, but good insanity. And there's that with everything. There's yeah. that in CrossFit. There's that in powerlifting. There's that in bodybuilding. Yep. But it's a, always a cool yep. community. You meet new people. You kind of get sucked in. But, 
you know, again, like we like we were talking about last week, it's your free time, right? And you want to do yeah. something you enjoy on your free time. Yep. So if you're not having fun, don't do it. But got to make sure our hobbies are fun. But we got 30 seconds left. So I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Bill, for taking your time. Thank you, P4P Real Talk, for coming on and co-hosting and asking a bunch of questions. <laughs> and uh, everyone have a good night. And I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon. Awesome. You too. Thanks, Thanks so much, Melinda. Me Hi. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> you.